seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is a Chinese down here. Using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is September 18th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 20. And by the way, thanks again for listening. Help spread the word, please. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor and leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on Instagram, or just go to our website at mindthetrack.com. I am one of your hosts, of course, the Trail Whisperer, and with me in the mobile recording studio, the 1990 Toyota Sun Raider, a.k.a. the Send Rider, is my partner in crime, the Professori of the Papau, and the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency, the one and only Powbot. What's cracking, buddy? What's back? We're back. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, oh, flash of lightning. Flash of lightning here on Donner Boom. Summit. We're going to get the rumble. Uh, it's been, we, we seem to be on the two week plan. We're kind of on the, it's like a week and a half. It's like every 10 days, it seems, uh, which is fine. Yeah. The scheduling has fine. been difficult. Yeah. We've got but stuff going okay. on. You've got some, you've got some, you know, drama in your day job these days. Yep. And I've got some, you know, scheduling issues on my end and we're, we're making it happen. I've been on the struggle bus. Yeah. I feel bad for you. Oh, thanks. I know. Uh, but, you know, it kind of ties into the episode this week. Yeah. And, you know, my, my mental health hasn't been the best, <laughs> best lately. And I've had been, I've been reaching out to my wife and family for some help. And, and good. That's, it's been good. But it, I have been on the struggle bus. Yeah. Well, I'll hey, be honest about that. I'm always a, I'm always here for you, buddy. Thanks, if man. you need to talk, I, I'm always here. I think I you did, you did hear a little bit. Your ears were, were tuned in a little bit yesterday when we rode down to Reno for a hot minute. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah. yeah, what's 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 the mayor of the single track? The mayor of all things dirt. Like every time uh, I go for a ride with you, you're just like the dirt mayor. Everybody stops and hey Kurt, what's up? <laughs> I, I think what's it's just serend- I think it's just luck that we're actually like running into people I know because there's so many people I don't know. But yeah, it, we sometimes run into people we know on the trail when we're riding, and it's been good. Been out in the field a lot, uh, flagging new trail and cool. and doing work on existing trails, and it's just again the the summer of all summers continues. Uh, you know we're up here on Donner Summit right now in the back of the Sun Raider, looking out over Donner Lake, and it's raining, <laughs> and it's raining, and it's thundering and lightning again. More rain, more moisture. It's been incredible. It's been so long incredible. since we've recorded. There's been a whole nother brown pow cycle that went. There down. was, yeah. There, that's right. There was a whole brown pow cycle since we sat down with Max Jones a couple weeks yeah, ago, and I crashed. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. You So you went down. I went down hard. And you had to take like a week off the bike, Pretty right? much. It was a week. I felt like I was in a car wreck. Yeah. I got so lucky. Yeah. I, with the, 
same thing happened to me that happened to you when we were riding Martis that day, but I was just JSA, just skiing along. Yeah. And a four foot stick popped up, went into the front tire, oh. went, circled around, hit the front fork, <laughs> just threw turned, you it, huh. turned the headset 180. And I, the, the marks there, it was a full brown pow day. So I could, I, after I gathered myself from picking my face up off the dirt, I was able to go back and look at the marks in the, <laughs> the brown pow. And you could see where the, the bike skidded and then it, I got bucked and it bucked me like once. And then the bike came back down again, 15 feet later. And it, then that's when I then got off the bike and went another 10 feet into my, into my head and shoulders. God. Did you, um, I was so lucky. Yeah. You didn't break. Did you break your helmet? I didn't break. Well, sort of. It, that means you broke your helmet. <laughs> if you sort of broke your helmet, you broke your helmet. I'm still using you it. should probably I, I, get I, a new well, one. The, one of the little things that holds it on, <laughs> the, one of the little things in the back that like you tighten. Oh yeah. The, the little, yeah. Those things. Adjuster. One of, one of those little adjuster things broke. And so I, I, I got it working again, <laughs> but I should probably get a new helmet. Yeah. I mean, how old's that helmet? It was only a year old. Oh, it was only a year old. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their helmets are cheap. Your head's not. I know. I, I bought you it. Know. Actually, I like everything a lot of times with my shoes and gloves and bikes, but I, I showed up for a, one of the shop rides at Olympic Bike Shop last summer yeah. with John Morrison. Yeah. And I forgot my helmet. So I had to buy a new helmet. But that thing, I'll say, that thing saved my noggin. Yeah. Because I put it down onto the head and shoulder at, at full speed, full speed on the tower rim trail. Man, that's, that's, uh, that's rough. I'm, well, I'm glad that you weren't hurt thanks. more seriously. Um, and that you're back on the bike. We, we were at uh, sky tavern last Thursday. Oh, that was a fun day. And yeah. And I was proud of you, dude. You, you followed Steve Wentz. He, he led you into that new shark bait line and you ripped it all the way down with him. <laughs> Even like coming off that injury and that accident, which, you know, I know how it is, man. There's nice. an old saying, you're only as fast as your last wreck. And, uh, I had a wreck on my moto early this summer where I kind of torqued my neck and, um, you know, it's definitely like, I don't know. I've been, I've been a little gun shy this summer. I haven't been doing things that I would normally do. Um, like, you know, not hitting big jumps that maybe I would otherwise hit. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. And, uh, I'm the other way around after we went out and did the cams invitational this year, I'm yeah. like, I want to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hit it. So it re what you're talking about right now reminds me, I'm, so I'm reading this book right now by Stephen Kotler, who is a, a very, he's a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author. And he um, is, uh, he is a per executive director of the flow, uh, the flow development yeah, center or something like that. He's Russell wrote the book that I started reading that I haven't finished yet. What's it called? The rise of Superman. Yeah. And then the art of impossible is another one that he wrote. And anyway, it's this book about, it's called Nar country. My friend, um, Kelly uh, gave it to me to read and it's interesting because it, he basically learns to be a park skier at age 53 and spends an entire winter skiing Kirkwood and Heavenly every day like pretty much every friggin day holding a crazy schedule like because he's a professor or he's a an author and, and then he's the executive executive director of this organization and so he's and he's got you know a wife and pets and like he's doing all yeah. these things and he like dedicates himself to this experiment can he become a park skier in one winter as a 53 year old and do the guy takes hit after hit after hit after hit and he's in the gym and he's training and he's lifting and it's just amazing and i'm like damn it's and he becomes a 
a competent park skier by just you can do it you can do it like he's doing nose butter 360s and all this i like every trick i he he i don't know what any of the tricks like i don't have any frame of reference because i don't really like do many tricks i mean i know how to do a daffy spin (laughs) spin to win buddy spin to win yeah I need to, yeah, I can do, I can ski, I can ski shifty a little bit, you know, but like that's, yeah. that's backwards in, in ski lingo. Um, it's called fakie shift, isn't it? <laughs> no, a shifty is when you sort of just sort of, yeah, you shift. That cla- By the way, the clapping on the roof of the RV is rain. It's starting to, it's starting to rain. Uh, hell yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's a good book though. Eh? It's a good book, and it would and it and there and so like when you were at the um, Sky Tavern thing last week, and you're hitting those gap jumps and stuff. I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like what he's doing I'm, on the ski thing. You know, he's like, I'm 50 Tom's and, fifty, and he's sending, and I'm learning. <laughs> well, I could back down. I was we we, we yeah. showed up up there. They did the grand opening of that new the new trail that Steve had been building. Yeah, and our first lap, I fully chickened out and didn't do it. And then when we lapped with him. I told him that I had chickened out and he was, he just kind of called me out. He's like, you got it. You can do this. Yeah. And I got on his wheel and did it and it felt super good. That was fun. It was fun to be over there for that and, and do that. Yeah. I was, I was stoked for you, dude. And oh, I went nice. home, I went home with my tail between my legs, but that's okay. You know <laughs> that's what? Okay. I'm okay with that. Like I, a man's got to know his limitations just sometimes, don't get a you know, through your front tire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I try not to do that. But, uh, today's episode is uh, an interview that we conducted up here in the RV just a few minutes ago with uh, a young, uh, incredibly... Core Lord. This, yeah. Was, he's core. He's core. He's young and he's, he's core, incredibly... He's core, don't even know it. Yeah. He's incredibly mature uh, for his age and very... Uh, humble. Humble and like, I, yeah, just a very sincere individual. And um, inspiring. Very inspiring. An incredible athlete. I think the real message here is that this Harrison has only been riding bikes for three years. And when you hear about his his escapades over the last couple of years and what he's pulled off, an Everest of Stanford Rock Trail on the West Shore Tahoe and then climbing 65,000 feet in 29 hours on old Highway 40, just lapping it 50, was that 56 times or something like that? 56.8 times? I mean... That is... He created a new genre of, of, like, people are calling, you know, the Everest thing's been around. Yeah. A lot of people are Everesting, but he's he did the Mariana Trench to Everest. To the top of Everest, so... <laughs> he Like, we joked, you know, he wasn't Trenching. even out of the, the bottom of the ocean until he was at, like, 35,000 feet or whatever, you know, uh, of climbing. So... It, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to achieve. And this old Highway 40, uh, you know, we did a lap with him uh, before the interview just to get a feel for him and a feel mm-hmm. for the ride. And, and uh, you know, it was, this ride was in the memory of a friend of his, Joe Fazio, who took his own life uh, late last year, right before Christmas uh, on Donner Lake. So this place is very spiritually you know significant in his in his mission of doing this mm-hmm. uh this ride as a fundraiser and uh it's heavy this is a heavy episode and we you know we it try would, to yeah it's it, and it was significant to me yeah and i started paying attention to this ride all, all the way back early in summer when it was being proposed because it's significant to me because my father took his own life as well yeah so I was paying attention to what Harrison was up to this year with this. Yeah. 
and and was I was along for his ride. Yeah. Uh, in some senses. Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy episode. We had a lot of recommendations from friends um, to uh, talk to Harrison, and I'm glad we did. And yep. so, you know, this is a... Uh, wow, was that a crack of thunder? No, I think someone just... I think someone just hit your hood. Oh, no, it was a frisbee. These guys are out here playing frisbee. So just somebody threw the frisbee yeah, on the hood. Was of the frisbee. God, that was a frisbee. God, thank God I thought head. a truck crashed into us or like a crack of thunder. I was just a, just a frisbee head. That's all right. These guys are out here playing frisbee a in mental, the rain. Mental toss fly it. coon. Yeah, playing in the rain on Donner Summit in a parking lot. I don't in know. In a lightning whatever. storm. In a lightning storm. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's, at least it's not a metal frisbee. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they didn't dent my friggin' hood. Um Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of, and I guess we should preface the, the interview is there's some, you know, audio background things going on, like rumbles of diesel trucks and people walking around and talking and stuff. But, you know, it's part of the atmosphere. It, 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 it was really cool for us to record this year because that was part of Harrison's idea of being yeah. able to do this, his monumental ride here was that he was able to look at Donner Lake as much as he did yeah and and honor his friend yeah uh and and that's kind of what we did here is that we chose this spot to park because we could record the episode overlooking and donner lake and having that same view totally getting getting some of that same feeling and involved in what we're doing here yeah 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 anything else you want to add before we dive into this interview (laughs) this that you know we're i'm thrilled that it's raining again like it's crazy winter is upon us uh i do have one more sign to add to the list of all of the things of the big winter oh yeah okay what's that i've got these squirrels at my house are Mm -hmm. going nuts Mm -hmm. these squirrels in the five years i've lived in my house now i've never had it to be where they are demolishing the pine cones in the tree Mm. and then they're they're sending them down before they that I don't know. I've never seen this before, but the squirrels and the pine cone situation, I'm like, every morning I have to go outside and pick up all these pine cones that these squirrels have just absolutely demolished. <laughs> and it's, it's a sign. Coming. It's, it's coming. a sign to me that Honga Tonga is going to give us another big winner. Oh yeah. 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 Speaking I, of Honga Tonga, uh, uh, one more, uh, tidbit of information. So we just had a hurricane. It was it was close to a hurricane that made landfall in Maine, Nova Scotia, of all places. Though I was talking to my brother who lives in Boston, and he's also kind of a weather nerd. And I asked him, when was the last time a hurricane made landfall in New England? And he said, oh, summer of 1991, a Hurricane Bob. Hmm. And I said, you know what happened in 1991? Mount Pinatubo erupted in April of 1991, and Hurricane Bob made landfall in New England in August of 1991. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a coincidence, but the last time that happened, a a, a volcano had erupted. Mm -hmm. So there you go for, for more Honga Tonga fun facts. People have been like messaging me and calling me like so are you for real with this honga tonga thing i'm like i dude just I think, read about it. i think like, we kind of are the washington post just did this super in-depth feature on like the significance of that eruption it was massive cataclysmic huge enormous like biggest eruption in recorded history so yeah i mean it's kind of a thing but the, no, the weather's been weird the weather's been real weird it's around been- the world kaboom baby there you go See? That's not a sound effect. That's real. I just saw a 
giant lightning bolt on the ridge above Tahoe Donner there, over there above I-80. So anyway, we should probably wrap well, this up before yeah, we get good, struck by lightning with good, our little recording studio good catch here. Up and yeah, I'm stoked to bring this story to our listeners. Yeah, me too. It's super inspiring. Yeah, yeah. So with without further ado, uh, enjoy our interview with Harrison Beal. Okay, we're here with Harrison Beal. We're up on Donner Summit on Old Highway 40. Looking over Donner Lake, it is a really cool summer day, late summer day here in early September. We've got, looks like it's going to thunderstorm on us. It looks like it's going to snow. <laughs> or snow. I, or, I'm thinking snow. Yeah, let's pray for snow. Is your, your, you're looking at Donner Lake, Kurt, and I'm looking directly at Donner Peak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, all, is that, no, that's Judah. All the no, that's, I'm looking at directly at a spot that I snowboarded is that regularly Don for 15 years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. it's Donner Peak. We're looking at the north face of Donner. It looks like a wave, like, a, you know, like it's got a curl. That rock's got a curl on it. It looks yeah. like a wave. Do you hit the train gap? I have hit the train gap a you few have. times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've also seen somebody hit the train gap and put their knee to their chin and bite through their tongue. Ooh, was that's one of my biggest blood fears. Blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into... Uh, Riding bikes. Yeah, let's. <laughs> we can talk about skiing. Uh, it's going to be real soon. Next no, week. We'll come, <laughs> yeah, right. We'll, we'll come back here in the dead of winter during a snowstorm yep. and record an episode on Donner Summit, Donner Summit style. Donner what is party. wrong with your GoPro? That thing, I, I tell you, know, man, we're going to have to figure that thing out. I don't know what's going on with it. All right. Um, anyway, Harrison, thanks for being here with us. So bad. Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. We did a lap before we got up here and started recording, Harrison and Tom and I. There it goes again. We uh, we did a lap on Donner Donner Pass Road, Old Highway 40. Uh, they just got done repaving it, so it is like as good as it gets right now on a road bike. I actually pulled my mosaic out of the rafters. I haven't used it. I don't really. I think I did one road ride this summer, so I put all like nice my sausage casing lycra clothes on <laughs> tom like pulled out his cameras like whoa what is going on over there and harrison you know he's got his like he's casual, got his cash casual pants. Kit. he's wearing like shop pants and a in a button-down shirt i'm like well shit, i wish i would have gotten the memo i wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have looked like a roadie but that's okay we were a motley crew going on that lap today <laughs> yeah that was sick we had an e-bike a couple road bikes it was yeah. good. It was good to good to get you know to know you and hear a bit of your story and just do a lap with you and sort of put put our minds into what you did here just now. What was it? Two weeks ago that you did the big ride? Uh, it was last weekend. It was last weekend. Last weekend. Okay. It's yeah. fresh still. Yeah. yeah. Feels like a while ago though. Does it? Yeah, for sure. Why? Why do you think that is? Uh, I think just because all my system was just firing all cylinders yeah uh, adrenaline um yeah so much of myself went into last weekend uh and yeah it's just weird to uh just be back in the swing of things um like work and stuff almost like a dream um, yeah just because so far out from my normal day-to-day -day life mm. uh that uh yeah just yeah, I don't know. So let's let, tell our listeners what you did then, because, you know, instead of us prefacing it, I'd like to just hear it from you. Like, what what were the stats on the ride? Yeah, so Old 40 is uh, a 
1,112 foot climb. It's not very steep. Um, it's a six mile round trip. I did 59.6 laps on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Point six. Yeah. So I, I, I came up with a, <laughs> an elevation number. Uh -huh. um, and, and how did you compute that? Yeah. So it's the distance between two landmarks, the lowest point on our planet, um, the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which is a little over 36,000 feet below sea level. Oh, wow. To the top of Mount Everest, the highest point on the planet. Wow. Which, so you did, people, there's Everesting which you did last year on Stanford Rock Trail, but then yep. there's, what do you call this, Mariana Trenching? <laughs> I don't know. Just Mariana Trench? Trench, trench the Everest. Trench Town? Yeah. Hey, trench Town, <laughs> trench Town Paddle. Yeah. Has anyone done, like, wow, done this God. type of vert and then referenced it like you have? Um, I haven't seen anybody reference it, but the world record for most feet climbed in 24 hours is 68,000 feet um, from a dude down in Slow. Um, he did, he picked like a super efficient, pretty steep hill. Um, but no, I haven't seen anybody reference, uh, trench to Everest. I've seen trenching where they do like the, the distance from the bottom of the trench to sea level, but, um, yeah, not from the okay. trench to the Everest. And then what were some of the other stats? How, how long were you on the bike for? Um, uh, my moving time was 29 hours and like 42 minutes, but I was out there for like 32 and a half hours. Um, I didn't have a time goal. I just wanted to get it done. Um, yeah, definitely a long day on the bike. I burned over 20,000 calories. I probably only consumed like 10,000. Uh, stomach had some wow. issues after like hour 10. Um, my TSS score, which is like how you measure training load, um, was almost 1,100. Which is crazy. What does that like, mean? Like, what what's a normal training load, or how um, do you, what is it compared to? Yeah, so if you look at like a a week of training, um, it would probably equate to like twelve hundred TSS. Uh, a week. A week. Yeah. And you did this in twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty nine. Or twenty nine. Yeah. So yeah. it was a it was a massive a massive effort uh, for sure, but. Ended up being 381 miles and 65,249 feet is what I ended up doing. Wow. That was barely. Are, are you still hungry? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, yeah, my, my system's kind of back to normal. Um, but that was really interesting. Uh, I finished the ride. I had some champagne with like the crew at the bottom. Um, which was really refreshing, but I didn't, I didn't have an appetite until like Sunday, the day after around noon. Um, hmm. I, I went to golden, the burrito spot here in, uh, in town. And I thought like, oh, I need a burrito and some tacos. And I went there and got home and tried to eat it and like instantly threw up. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, uh, I couldn't get anything down and it's, it's tricky trying to plan like your nutrition and how you're going to fuel your body after like 10 plus hours yeah during like some of the gravel races i do be like six to eight hours and i can i can drink like um a carbohydrate drink mix in my bottles and have kind of like that astronaut food and my stomach is okay and i approach this like like i would a gravel race like 150 to 200 mile race uh, and it worked for maybe the first twenty thousand feet then after that uh i just yeah could 
not get anything down. Um, we had like a huge spread of like everything. I went to the store and just bought a hodgepodge of like sweets and salty stuff and just like, you know, all sorts of different like, candy and fruit. And like the only thing I could eat was uh, green grapes and like some nibbles of a rice cake. Like everything else just made me want to gag. Wow. Yeah. What I find most interesting about the things you've been doing, so this ride, um, and then you did an Everest of Stanford Rock last summer, is that you've only been riding bikes for three years. And you don't have a history. We talked we're on the ride we were talking, like I was asking you, you know, what did you do in high school or when you were younger? You played baseball, you were a skateboarder, but you never did any like endurance sports like like cross country running or uh or you know uh swimming or anything that involves like real aero aerobics right no no it's uh it's skating and and baseball and baseball uh, hardly a sport yeah you stand around for the most part right i mean that to me is fascinating that you've been able to build enough of a a base to be able to pull off a ride like that um, in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think for whatever reason, I just jive with, uh, that, like that slow burn, yeah. like yeah. really pushing yourself. Um, I think it's mainly like a mental thing rather than like a, physical like a physical predisposition yeah. of mine um that that headspace i get into um i'm sure you guys can attest to it as well um super fluid and flowy um just feel feel super clear i've always been a very anxious person like haven't been able to like sit still ever yeah. since i was a little kid do you I'm the always... knee jerk do you do the bouncy knee yeah. when you're sitting i do the bouncy <laughs> knee all the time yeah um, but yeah, parents could never get me to like sit down and shut up. I'm always, <laughs> always going until I like crash. Um, yeah, but the, with, with the bike, I do 10 years ago. I never thought I'd be doing 20 hour things. Yeah. Know? Was the Stanford rock your first effort at a super extended 24 hour effort like that? Or had you done some 24-hour races or something before that? No, I had never, I've never done a, before Stanford, never done a 24-hour ride or event. Um, I did the summer before Stanford Rock is when I bought my first full suspension mountain bike. That's insane. It's insane. And yeah, it's, insane. it's incredible. Um, and, wow. But yeah, I got, I got the bike and I was living in Kings Beach at the time and... I would just like start by doing like little loops behind my house and then on my days off I would go like a little further and further and it just kept blowing my mind how much of the area I could see uh, yeah. on the bike because prior to that I would I would go like like hike or you know and go out for like an hour or something but like it's like man I could take my bike and ride on this trail like all the way to Tahoe City and then I just kind of became obsessed with like these little little like challenges I'd like like to see like uh like I downloaded Strava and um I'd like to see like a oh, 5,000 feet whoa and then all of a sudden like a double digit number and I like, kind of like, got addicted to that like 
oh, how far or how big can I go? You know, I that that sensation of like surpassing what you've ever done before mm-hmm. became mm-hmm. like like pretty pretty addicting because um, I had always been competitive and and uh, and then leaving like team sports and stuff, I never really had. I didn't really have an outlet to push myself anymore and, and yeah. until I had the bike and it's in a different way. It's a, it's an individual like competition like with yourself and, um, yeah, almost kind of like chip on my shoulder wanting to like prove myself wrong and just go further and further and further. Uh, and, yeah. and was that the base of the inspiration for the Stanford ride then? Or was there a person or something that inspired you to to go to dig that deep and do that first yeah so there's this there's this do that dude. first everest ride on stanford yeah um there's this dude he lives down the foothills Derek teal he owns this uh company called dialed health and basically like strength training for cyclists mm-hmm. and i found him on instagram a few years ago and he did a um there's i always had this misconception that like roadies and mountain bikers and cross-country guys and everyone is all different and you had to like identify as one and ride that way um but Derek he's like a ripping downhill rider but also extremely fit um and I always like admired that and he did an Everest down in uh in Demo in Santa Cruz oh cool on the braille trail on like a stump jumper it's like a basic trail bike um and he like put together like uh like a video and like it was it was super sick because i always when i would do these rides i would go ride like fun trails you know like um and i wanted to like i don't know it just it it inspired me that like this ripping descender like super stylish dude on a bike um a lot of skill is also pushing himself like physically and like pulled off this this Everest uh, on like single track. And then that's what got me fired up um, to do it. Um, but then that kind of like just snowballed into like, well, that's sick, but like, how can I make it more like, like bigger than just like a, like a personal challenge or a big ride. So yeah. then like getting Tamba involved. And how did how did you accomplish that on that ride? And Tamba's the Tahoe Area Mountain Bike Association. Right? Yeah. yeah. So they like build and maintain a bunch of trails in the basin. Yep. They're responsible for like roads to toads and things yep. like that. Yep. Um Yeah, I I just I sent out an email <laughs> and then next thing I know Andrew Bray, he's the executive director. Yep. He met me at Olympic bike shop when I was working there and I was like he was I could tell he was like pretty skeptical. It's like super far out idea. Stanford Rockets not an efficient again, same with Old Ford, not an efficient ascent or like to do a challenge on. I'm like, hey man, like I wanna do this Everest thing, like if we can build like a campaign around it, raise some money and then we'll dump the money back into the expansion of the West Shore because I found out they were trying to or they are trying to connect the north and south shore via single track. Yeah. And um and it was all part of this bigger vision of like, well if they connect the North and South Shore via legal single track, and all of a sudden we can like ride our mountain bikes around the entire perimeter of Lake Tahoe on legal single track. And then I started thinking about, man, if that happens, like maybe we can do like a, a race or something. Like forget Leadville 100, like 
let's race on single track around Lake Tahoe. Um, <laughs> so it was like this far out like vision and yeah. then boiled down to like, all right, let's take a, like a baby step and get Tamba involved around like this idea. And um, I guess like to help with the fundraising, like doing an Everest or something like big mm. on a bike it uh it, it helps grab the attention of the people you're trying to reach out to or that like care about the trails in the basin you know and that's what it turned into it turned into a sick like community event in Tahoe city and on the west shore uh, and a lot of people got behind it um when did you do this i did it june the end of june of 2021 okay oh two years ago no 22 22 yeah. okay so last summer uh did you have people riding with you like people show just like people show up and just run lap, like ride laps with you to keep you company yeah so i, I had like a, a main crew yeah that like committed to being there like bell to bell yeah my dad flew out uh which was sick to have him uh this girl i was dating at the time um and then absolute legend david who was also out oh here, i know david you know david oh he's the man Dude. i ride with david yeah yeah he's, he's the man such he was actually telling me about your ride and, and uh the other day when we were riding so that was the other recommendation yeah, yeah. so he rode with you the whole pretty much the whole time or yeah, man um such a solid human he had his e-bike mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i kind of I didn't I don't do the best at like planning these things. I'm yeah. like I just got this idea and I'm like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just go, go for do it. it. Yeah. And <laughs> I was working with David at the time and he like caught wind. He's like, Harrison, what what do you mean? Like wh where are your lights? Where who's gonna be out there with you? And he like got all like you know concerned like, concerned and like he's like, I'm gonna be out there. Breaking down the logistics. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, I didn't really think about like that at all. Um but yeah, he he started with me. We started at midnight. And we had we had like a crew of people out there. You started at midnight. Yeah, my idea. Oh wow, okay. My idea was like, all right, I'll start at midnight, get through the dark. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking that I'll just do hour laps, all and like and just get it, and just get it done super quick, get it done before sunset. Because I did it, I planned it around summer solstice to try to get the most of the daylight. So I was like, I'll get through the nighttime first put the lights away and not worry about nighttime again and then get it done like it's sunset uh that didn't happen <laughs> it was like way harder than i thought um like our laps on stanford rock is is super wait an hour all uh, the way to the top and then back down yeah were you ever able to do one of those yeah i did like eight I think I had, a, an hour. I, had a, I had like an iPad. Um, so what I would do is I would utilize some, and I got permission from Tama to do so, but uh, the old trail was still there. The uh, steep part, the, yeah, the yeah. steeper part. Yeah. So okay. old school Stanford rock was like super steep. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I understand, it was kind of like a test of your, your, uh, lightning. We got lightning sick <laughs> we're gonna get a thunderstorm here I continue so. <laughs> um but yeah from my understanding stamp the old stanford rock for they, they let you send the uh, that alternate line then and were you using it for the up and the down or uh mainly for the down mainly for the down yeah um some laps i would cut off of uh the new school of stanford rock and climb up 
but you have to put so much power down that it's just not a sustainable amount of energy to use for that long. Um, but that's how I was able to do the, the hour long laps is, um, you know, really be pretty gripped climbing and then just as gripped descending on the old trail. Um, but yeah, that caught up with me quick. Um, yeah, I didn't really take into account like moving time versus elapsed time and yeah, just moments where I'd have to stop and kind of collect myself and like really motivate to continue. I just like had this idea in my head. I'm like, how could it done before sunset for sure? But I ended up being out there till like two in the morning the next day. Now you completed this in under 24 hours. Um, yeah, the old well, moving moving time was 22 hours, but elapsed time was 24. Just at, like on the nose? No, Cut. no. It was like, like 23 20, and 23.50 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll that was for doing the, the vertical of Everest. 29,000. 29,000 vertical feet. Oh, 29,000. On Stanford. 32 wow. or 38? 32. 32. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what did you ride from that first then big epic? What did you ride away with from that experience that you that you took away from that with like what did what did you learn what did you learn about yourself why did you want to do another one like what were some of the big lessons learned out of that um from the first one dude i think the biggest one was how people rallied and like the vibe of not i mean doing the ride was a sweet like personal achievement um but uh the feeling of having like friends out there like also pushing themselves because um, like when I started at midnight I had my buddy Taylor buddy Bjorn and Harry and all three of those guys rallied and they're like hey we're gonna come out and we're gonna PR we're gonna like do our biggest ascent and then all three of them did like hmm. they showed up at midnight and and I was just thought that was like the sickest thing ever like the just the feeling out on the on the trail with everybody pushing themselves was like way sicker than what it is when you're pushing yourself solo is that energy is super contagious you know yeah and everyone's like yeah. eating off of one another um that was probably the biggest takeaway of like i want like that's the magic you know i want i want to like create that again like that uh if i could like put that in Be the able bottle to share it yeah Psst. hey you yeah you across the garage the guy who never uses me I've been hanging in the rafters for years. My top sheet's buried in dust. My rails are rusty. I haven't seen wax since I was new. You're always grabbing that shiny new board next to me. I want a new owner, man. You're lame. Am I hallucinating? No. This is your old split board speaking. I'm sorry, you're right. But I hate selling stuff online. Nothing but scammers or thieves will come by to the house, case the joint, and rob me. Well, maybe if you got robbed, I'd get a new home. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer -peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, 
Google Play, or visit Sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. When I finished, like, it wasn't for a while to where I wanted to or even thought about and people would ask me, like, what's next? Uh, I didn't really want to think about it, you know. Um, you were still too tired? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thought of, like, going up and down a hill. was just like, <laughs> no, I don't know. Just, like, couldn't really uh, come up with anything. And you don't want to get stuck in a trap of, like, just this trying to one-up yourself. Yeah, you know, right. Constantly. Right, totally. I don't think that's a yeah. sustainable thing. I, no. I think, I think I'll, I'll always try to push myself, but... Um, the things or the rides I come up with, uh, I want them to come out of me like in a very authentic way, you know? Um, I don't want to just, like, I don't want to go do 70,000 feet just to say I, like, topped the 65,000 feet, you know? Well, then, let's talk about this yeah. old Highway 40 ride that you just did last weekend, because um, to me, that seems like about as genuine as it gets. Can you tell us a little bit of the backstory and on why this came to be and, and, and all the details around that? Yeah, man. Um, so, earlier this year, like a week before Christmas, a uh, really good friend, a mentor, um, you know, great member of the community here in Truckee, longtime local, uh, Joe Fazio. Uh, unfortunately, he took his life um, just out here in Donner Lake. And it hit me really hard, uh, as did it with a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I, s I still like sit with it, you know, and I think I'm over trying to understand like I I don't think anybody like needs to needs to understand but yeah Joe now he'll always be on my mind like yeah uh yeah rest in peace Fazio but uh yeah unfortunately like this all stemmed from a very grim thing that happened here in Truckee um which is an issue that it's very, unfortunately, it's an issue here. <laughs> uh, and, and well, it's our, an issue kind of everywhere, yeah. I guess. I mean, mental health and suicide, it's a taboo thing. Yeah. And it's, and I feel you. I, I, personally, I it, it's affected my life. My father took his own life t uh, two years ago. I'm sorry, man. Thanks. Uh, and, and so I, I, I know that feeling of, of emptiness and sort of like trying to understand it. And also anger that yeah. you get from it, you know, that's one thing that hits a lot of people that are family and f close friends with someone who took their own life. So it's, it's a tough subject. For sure. It's like, yeah, it, you have all these emotions <clears throat> pulling you every which way and you don't, I don't know, you don't really know where to like, like channel it. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, like when. When people, when people grieve over or like mourn a death uh, of like illness or uh, tragedy, tragedy, tra tragedy, uh, or like old age, you know, it's very, it's very different. It's very peaceful. We can like make sense of it, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, suicide, unless you share like a similar mindset, like it's really hard to make sense of it, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's an open wound that, you know, that the bandaid bandaid kind of gets ripped off and you can never really heal that wound. You live sure. with it. You're going to live with it the rest of your life. Yeah. That's and something I'm aware of now for sure. Definitely. And I, you know, unfortunately, like I've dealt with this before. Uh, I've been through it. I had a childhood friend, best friend, Michael, lived down the street from me. Like type of friend you'd ride your bike, you know, down to his house, knock on the door, ask their mom, Michael can come out and play. Like we were boys, you know, sneaking out, getting into trouble, blah, blah, blah. Um, but as we got older, he like fell a lot, like skateboarding and just kind of messing around. Had a lot of concussions and started getting in trouble with the law a little bit and uh, just couldn't rationalize and problem solve. And that part of his uh, psyche was was missing. And um, yeah, he t- he took his life when when we were sixteen. And that was like the first time I ever. Sorry. Uh, thanks for saying that. It's, that's crazy to think about. Like um to to like make that choice and you know that yeah i've never i don't know i've never been the same since kind of always like thinking about like why why one would or what what does it take to feel that bad to where you uh you know you need to make that decision um and as i've gotten older and like humbled and matured uh you know i've learned that pain not just physical but like emotional and your trauma from from the past or your childhood it all it all stems from that and the willingness to um to be able to like accept it at least at least like in my shoes you know i'm not i'm not a psychiatrist and um or anything like that but i do know that as soon as you can look like your yourself in the mirror and like accept the negative sides to yourself and accept the pain you know uh and allow yourself to suffer and allow yourself to be open with that and like lean on to other people that care about you. Um, that's when you can, you can kind of move, move through it because if you can't do that, you, you end up spending your life avoiding it mm-hmm. or bottling it up. And it's inevitable. Like it'll, in some way it'll, it'll come out of you. Uh, was the bike you know, a good release for you as far as stress, like in that time? Oh, dude. In the first few days or weeks? With Fazio. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was angry riding. Yeah. Hmm. It's like super, yeah. super angry riding. Uh, and... Uh, it's the same thing that happened to me. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was angry snowboarding. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, thank God yeah. for, the, for the outlet. Like, yeah. the... You know, like this portal we can go into to express ourselves and like release that like, 
yeah, that tension. Um, and, you know, through Joe's death, like, I really started looking at the bike as a way to go, like, inward, you know. When I wasn't on the bike, I kind of felt like I was, like, on, uh, like, autopilot and cruise control. And then when I'd go ride and put my head down, like, I'd be like, okay, I can tap into, like, what's going on in my head and, like, how I'm feeling. And, like, almost as if I could, like, plan. I mean, this sounds crazy, but, like, plan my, like, next move, like, and, like, what am what am I going to do next? Like, what, you know, it would all, it would all happen on. You'd on. figure it out when you're on your bike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, during the day, like, working and stuff, like, yeah, I don't think i gave myself the the space to access those like emotions and feelings but the bike was a way to really tap into that and be honest with myself yeah um so why did you decide to do this ride here on old 40 um yeah dude i i picked this this pass because right down the hill where we're looking um, that's where Fazio took his life in Donner Lake. And, you know, um, dude, I was driving, I was on a trip in, to Santa Cruz, my friend Claire and we were, were driving back. I was driving to like Sacramento, probably like 11 o'clock at night. And I got a call from his brother-in-law. This is the night Joe took his life. And, uh, his brother-in-law, Pat was like, HB, I'm at Joe's house. Like, I'm looking at these letters on his counter and they don't look good man well one of the letters written to you and it says to call you uh, you'll know where i'm at or know where he's at and i was like do you have any idea where joe could be and i said yeah he's either on the east shore of lake tahoe or he's somewhere in donner lake and he liked to chill out at china cove uh for the last bit of sunlight um, and I was like, all right, I'm in Sacramento. Like, I'll drive to the lake right when I get back. Uh, Pat, like, called the law enforcement and started that whole process. And this is, like, midwinter. We had a massive winter last year, but, like, tons of snow already. Yeah. Super cold. Um, and got back to Truckee, like, 1230, and drove. First went to China Cove. And I like, got out of the truck and like hiked the snow and was running around and then drove down the west end. I saw his truck parked at the the boat launch and cops were already there. Um, but uh, yeah, then talked to the officers and um, yeah, I just kind of already knew but didn't want to, you know what I mean? Didn't want to like accept it. Um, and yeah i went back to china cove and just walked around in the snow like hollering for joe uh thinking like he was just like hanging out in his chair like catching some fresh air you know but at this point it's like three o'clock in the morning and um i went home and woke up the next day and drove back to the lake and they got like search and rescue together and and a bunch of Joe's friends. We all came to the west end of Donner Lake and we were sitting like at the park looking across the beach while they were like having the scuba team out there and stuff. And um, yeah, then they pulled pulled Joe out of the water 
and yeah, and that was that. Was, yeah, stunned, you know. Yeah. Stunned, but like, I don't know, man. Like, not, not stunned. We all knew Joe. Joe was struggling, but like, man, not to that extent. Um, he had a, a series of very unfortunate events the last three years of his life. He lost his mom. Uh, he lost his dad. He got COVID. He had issue with his TMJ. Um, just this joint that connects from What's drop. that? What's that? What's TMJ? Uh, it's like this joint from, I believe it connects your jaw to your eardrum, and it's the joint that gets the two to play nicely together. So like when you, when you talk, um, you're able to like, uh, with like sound and air pressure and things like that, uh, mess with like your equilibrium. So when your TMJ uh -huh. is out of whack, oftentimes it causes like extreme vertigo hmm. or ringing and buzzing. Mm -hmm. uh, three years ago, Joe had a like a month issue with his TMJ, but he had a rad doctor that he was working with and they got him fixed up with like mouth guards and, and stuff and no medication, just in mouth guard, realign the jaw. The vertigo and the ringing stopped, um, but then you know his dad passed away. Then he got COVID, um, and then COVID was long COVID, and then all of a sudden he wasn't able to go back to work at Olympic. And then fall came around, and I think like the stress from from COVID and not working and not being able to ride or do anything, his TMJ flared up again. The doctor he was working with had retired couldn't find any help um he ended up getting on like sleep medication and just and he was totally against that stuff prior like the heavy pharmaceuticals but he needed it just to go to sleep and uh yeah it would be up for like three four days at a time oh god yeah man um yeah i recall one day i was working at the board shop and I got a call from Joe, and he was like, HB, like, I need a ride home. I was like, yeah, man, no problem, where you at? He's like, I'm at the hospital. He had checked himself in, like, the night before, because he couldn't sleep. And yeah, I went and, went and picked him up, and he was just, this grim, man. He was just shriveled up, uh, super thin, didn't look like himself at all. Um, and like, yeah, as a friend, like, you want to, I don't know, you're, you want, you're encouraging and you're like, you, you console your friends and um, Joe, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> in the, in in the days after this, uh, when did you kind of come up with the idea of of doing this ride and starting this uh, this grassroots effort? What's pedal for positivity? Is that what you call it? Yeah, pedal for positivity. Tell us a little bit about that um, coming up with this plan and this idea in in memory of Joe and his life. Yeah. So first, um, it stemmed from angry riding. 
and wanting to like feel like pain and to suffer and make myself suffer and I was like I'm going out on old 40 this summer I'm gonna do this thing and um yeah before I started the fundraiser or anything and I was like you know lowest lowest point to the highest point and did the math and came up with the number and and I was like it was just going to be a, a personal thing you know to make peace with Fazio yeah uh, to come out here by myself and and just do that I just felt like so like inclined to do that like it was like a calling like I was like this I must do this you know yeah um and there's kind of like really started uh just fixating on that idea like I would like go train on my bike and like listen to like to the music I was like listening to like would is was changing and like just uh went through like a really like dark like I wanted to I wanted to feel pain you know yeah like truly yeah what um, what what were you listening to like godsmack like voodoo and just just really like moody emotional like I don't know, like grind your teeth, like, oh, kind of music. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that idea slowly, the, the anger slowly turned into, like, compassion. And um, I started to really think about, like, think about or put myself in Joe's situation and really, like, remember, like, who he was as a person um and not remember him as this decision that he made yeah yeah and uh yeah. yeah joe was a guy and i admired this so much about him and he and it's something that yeah i i want to develop this quality joe was so good at uh doing exactly what he knew it was best for him you know and he like never compromised that mm-hmm. sometimes uh it would hinder him but for the most part like just throughout his life he he didn't waste any time doing things he didn't want to do and if he was doing something he was present and engaged because he wanted to be there i feel like a lot of times in life we find ourselves in situations like why am i doing this yeah am i totally. really invested in like what's going on right totally. in front of my face absolutely yeah and so i just it's really genuine yeah man um like started to focus on that side of joe you know and that like i said the anger turned to compassion uh and uh which led me to feeling like this this compassion kind of like understanding joe more um it made me want to share that with our network of friends that were angry and upset and confused um and like when you have all these, you know, all these people like from ages from like 22 to, to 70 and like together and talking about like suicide and stuff, you, you quickly realize like humans really lack, um, we're not very good at like coping and like understanding. And um, like I, I wanted to help people feel the way I felt about Joe, you know, very, in a very, like, calm and compassionate way. Like, 
not necessarily agreeing with the decision that he made, but knowing that Joe made a decision and, um, like he, I don't know, a way to kind of like, not, not that it's okay, but to like accept it and not, not to live like with the anger. Um, yeah. So this idea of like putting myself in a painful situation just turned into less about me and more about helping people understand pain and that pain is real and it's something that is the gatekeeper to like a lot of positive things in our life, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was the message that I wanted to get out. And I started looking at all these little pieces to help tell the story. And it, uh, it kind of just naturally snowballed into what it was. And you, you eventually reached out to high fives. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of ran with your idea and helped you along. Yeah. Um, well, I originally reached out to you. Um, one of the gals that was helping me run the Tamba campaign last summer, um, because I'm you now still learning on how to how to run a fundraising campaign and get it like off the ground and live, um, and have it be successful. Um, but she was super tied up and wasn't able to to jump on board. Uh, so I came up with like a proposal deck, and well, actually I I connected with uh, JB. Jeff from Academy Snowboards through Totally Bored. Um, yeah, he's such a such a rad, down-to-earth dude. Uh, but he was in Totally Bored one day, and he came in to talk. And Joe came up, and him and I really got down. And we, they had just lost a high schooler down in Auburn on the snowboard team to suicide. And we kind of got on this tangent about, like, Man, like something, something needs to be done. I'm like Jeff. Like I, I got this like idea. Like here's the proposal deck. Um, I want to do like this bike ride, you know, and tell like the story. And um, Jeff was the one who told me to reach out to High Fives, and and I did. And it just so happened High Fives had like a, a bicycle event that they were planning on doing in, in July when I was originally supposed to do this ride that fell through. So they had like a window. I don't know what you call it, like a marketing window or something, but they had time and so, they had some bandwidth. Yeah, yeah, to help out. Um, uh, that's cute. Yeah, and make, they're kissing on the, <laughs> the, the grand view of Donner Lake with a nice little smoochy smooch. Oh, that's rad. <laughs> um, Bringing some light to the conversation. You know? Yeah, it's no, good. Sorry, it's good. so so grim. You know. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's a big part of what I think you're raising awareness though about is that. All of us have these large peaks and valleys in life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, without the highs, there aren't lows. And without the lows, there aren't highs. Right. For yeah. sure. The uh, ebb and flow. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. High tide, low tide. Yeah. It's it's life. Yin and yang, man. Yin and yang. Yep. Yin and yang, or is it yin? Yin. Yin and yang. Uh, it's like, yeah, it should be yang, because yang has a G. Why can't yin have a G? Anyway. So... You went to high fives. Um, did you come up with this pedal for positivity idea? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
I my first idea or the vision it was to and it still is to just raise funds to just straight up hire a therapist and pay their annual salary and have them be employed by high fives to then offer free sessions to anybody that needs it and that was like that's what i first approached them with and high fives is in the fundraising business and they're very good at what they do very solid group of people and they're like hey man like we love your idea but that's it's a little far-fetched at the moment you know like let's let's get this off the ground let's let's try to have an event first and let's see like what kind of traction like we can get um so things kind of got tweaked a little bit and um you know we came up with like just an arbitrary number it was fifty five fifty five thousand dollars just to begin to develop this fund um but the most important part was to raise awareness and to get people to say hey what's up with this bike ride why is he doing it oh yeah i agree like mental health is like a huge issue um and just to get people on board and comfortable with the idea to at least like talk about it i think that was like the first first and foremost that was like the main objective is to kind of break down the taboo of being emotional you know um yeah and create a space where people can open up yeah and, talk. and feel safe about it yeah yeah not judge yeah. yeah let's talk a little bit about the ride itself uh you just completed this ride last weekend uh it was a pretty big undertaking talk to us about uh the road the terrain here this for people who've maybe never been to Donner Summit or Old Highway 40 have never seen this place. Um, describe the feel of the road. Describe the feel of the place, and uh, and kind of the experience of the ride. Yeah. Um, so if you've never been to Donner Summit and you ride road, you got to come because it's uh, it's buffed out, super fun, super smooth. Um, but uh, yeah, 1100 foot climb not too steep extremely scenic and windy and um yeah descending it you can top out at like 55 miles an hour if you're tucked at the last bit it's all new pavement right yeah yeah there was this like rocks there was a rock side you guys know earlier this summer and it like put a big gash in the highway but they they like patched it up um and it's good to go and i haven't been road biking for long like this last summer i i did a little bit and like this summer's pretty full on on the road doing the the spandex thing, and from what I understand, old forty used to be like, oh, pretty shit road. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel man eating potholes. Yeah. yeah. Just it would it would destroy your wheel if you hit one of them. Not really. Yeah. 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 So I'm stoked. Like my, <laughs> you timed this like impeccably. Yeah, well, dude. Maybe maybe a little early because you originally were gonna do this ride July 29th, right? Yes. And then yeah. the road was closed until a few weeks ago. Yeah, dude, yeah. and you know what's crazy is, uh, yeah, so the road closed, and then I kind of had to, like, coordinate around, like, race schedule and uh, not go too far into the fall because it's going to get chilly. So I just randomly picked, um, I wanted to do it, like, as soon as possible and kind of got a tip from this guy at Sugar Bowl that the road's for sure going to be open uh, after Labor Day weekend. So mm. I was banking on that to be true, uh-huh. which, which it was. Yep. 
Um, so I'm like, all right, the following weekend, it'll, it'll likely be open. And, uh, I had, I would have just gotten back from like this little gravel race trip I did. So eighth and ninth it was. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't know, <laughs> kind of feel like a Barney, but, uh, the September 10th is, um, worldwide suicide relief, mm-hmm. like a day to raise awareness around suicide. And I had no idea. And I did the ride the eighth and the ninth. And, um, yeah, the alignment with that was just kind of blew my mind. That's some kismet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It was meant to be. Yeah. But last weekend it went off. It's crazy. Um, how many people showed up over the course of that 32 hour or however many hours it was? uh, I think, yeah, people were coming and going all throughout, but probably like 80 or so. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started at 8am on Friday. I was super nervous, started out pretty quick. I was doing fast laps. Um, and yeah, then people just started joining in. Um, I didn't take many laps solo at all, which was really? rad. Yeah, that's rad. And like I was saying about the Stanford Rock thing, like where the magic lies in all of this, it's not in my ride, you know? Yeah. I'm stoked on the ride and like blows my mind to see the numbers. I'm proud of it, but. Dude, the magic is, it can't ever be replicated. Like, it's going to stay on September 8th and 9th, but it's in, like, the people and the community that came out. Yeah. And that that energy, that contagious energy of wanting to push yourself and do something hard. Um, And what's interesting about doing difficult things and the feeling it gives you and the momentum it offers your life is that it's all relative to the individual. You know, like yeah, what I did last weekend, relative to me, it's you know, it's a big, it's a big thing. But that sensation that it gave me uh, is no different from someone who's only ever done old forty once, and they go up and do it twice. All of a sudden, yeah, you know, yeah, that same like, oh shit, like I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, like to genuinely feel like I can't believe I just did that, like that's uh. That's what I'm trying to share and offer through Pedal for Positivity. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist, a therapist, or a counselor, but I've, I enjoy connecting with people and sharing the perspective the bicycle has given my life. And yeah. that's kind of the vibe of it all. Um, yeah, it was so cool to see, man. Um, we had an older crew come out like like the the trucky like og local roadies you know paco the og owner of paco yeah, Paco Lindsay. Yep. yeah man yeah him and his crew uh sure david was there was he there david was uh david yep. played a massive role in this operation yet again nice um i hit him up like Five days before, I had mentioned something early in the summer, like the VM doing this thing again. So, oh boy, count me in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I like I reached out to him like five days before. I'm like, hey, David, remember that thing I was talking about? Can you meet me for dinner? And I laid everything on him. Uh, but what he did was he brought his motorbike out and he like would and at night he would shuttle um, Gore-Tex jackets to the summit. Oh, nice. So I'd get to the top all sweaty. And then I throw a jacket on for the descent. 
Was it cold? Was it pretty cold overnight in the um, evenings? It wasn't too bad until like 3.30 to sunrise. It was brutal. Pretty, pretty cold? Yeah. 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 What's it like riding down old Highway 40 at night with with just a light? Epic. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's You said it was like a video game? Video game. Any of you listeners ever seen the movie uh, Tron, the newest yeah. one? Oh, yeah. Dude, like that kind of like 80s synth, like, <laughs> I don't know. It was crazy. It was nice. Super cool. Yeah. And and you said that uh, Dan Goddard came out and blew all the pine needles off the road. Yeah. That's amazing. Because when we were going down today <laughs> and we came into one of those corners and all those pine needles were there, I was like, they didn't. I couldn't imagine coming into that corner, like going mock chicken and, and at night and hit a patch of those pine needles. Yikes. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Dude, the support <laughs> was honestly way more pro than I ever could have made it. Yeah. Like I said, I, I was out of town and then a, a week before I came back and I, I told Russell about this early in the summer i'm like hey man like i'm doing this thing like it'd be cool if you shop like helped out and support russell's him. the owner of yeah of, russell's the owner of paco's bike shop shout out yeah, yeah. to russell and paco's. shout out um and then russell was like dude that's friday but russell like <laughs> just got into this zone and he like was making spreadsheets and like assigning like tasks to like a bunch of people and we had like a meeting and everyone was like all fired up and yeah you got dan to go blow out the the highway and blow out the corners yeah dude it it, it felt really mm. cool to have um like the shop on your team yeah like everyone everyone got behind it yeah um which again just turned it into a much a much bigger thing than than a bike ride and i don't think a lot of people were expecting that to really like you know it brought a lot of people who maybe didn't hang out or know each other very well closer mm -hmm. out here on the highway at the bottom or at the top People yeah. were riding together, um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think people are expecting it to be as as. It like, seems like it's it's reached out and gotten so much bigger than you had anticipated. Yeah, dude, definitely. Um, I don't know if it's because it was such a, a far out goal, like a ridiculous ride, like a, a skeptic type of thing, or if it was just like. The two days it was going down, like people that were involved and people that showed up, like were really pushing it. Yeah. But on our fundraiser page, we we had like nine grand going into the event, and then after it was finished, we we're at like twenty twenty three thousand. Nice. Yeah. That's huge. So how like, do, how can people contribute to this? Um, Is it still open, like for contribution? Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's and, let's give the listeners yeah. a. a a shout out to that how do they do that totally. how do they contribute uh, so just go to your web browser type in high five slash pedal for positivity and it will pull up to the donation page and um, yeah you just hit and read all about it uh, read about Joe read about myself and what we're doing with it and I yeah, just hit the donate tab and um, yeah, help out any way you can I'm meeting with high fives this week about uh, the momentum the funds uh, what's next and like the overall vision um, you know I really want to push for just finding a therapist and it's it, it's crazy that that it there isn't something like that already up here I know it, it, you know that's not a new concept and it's it's sort of a, a dear subject to me because I'm gonna share something very cool with you right now but my grandfather 
who we've referenced on this show because we recorded in a couple episodes up at the original family house and my grandfather retired here in Trekkie. But my grandfather, Raymond Beckering, along with Robert Schuler, who was a famous preacher man from, from Southern California, they built the Tower of Hope wow. in the early 70s. Oh, you have a little, is that a little flyer or yes. card or and something? This is really cool because it also has some words and some stuff written from my grandfather in the back of it as a preacher. But my grandfather actually started the first help helpline wow. in North America. Oh my gosh. Wow. And this is the little flyer for it. I found it going through some old family stuff. <laughs> no but, way. Uh, the, the phone number was called New Hope, 639-4673. And this was for people in Southern California to have a crisis. It was the first crisis hotline. And, That's uh, incredible. And th- he started it in, I think it was the late 60s or early 70s. And the Tower of Hope is still there. It's the, actually the tallest building in, in Orange County still to the day. And uh, this was part of Garden Grove Ministries. This was the church that my father, grandfather helped start with Robert Schuler. But he started a helpline all wow. the way back then. And it's wild to think that, like, we're not there yet. And there's still people trying to start yeah <laughs> you <laughs> thank you trying to carry that torch and do something like that in this community here in tahoe because it's needed totally like mental yeah. health is a thing that we all need help it's, with it's a more of a it seems to be more of a crisis than ever just, I, think, I agree especially with yeah. social media and the, the yeah. kids growing up these days like it's a crisis and with covid i mean covid really threw i feel like a lot of things on a lot of people mentally like kind of lost it yep. during that period. There were a lot of things happening in the world where, you know, it just, uh, I feel like the stress, you know, it was a breaking point for a lot That's, of people. That was, that was the, yeah. t- that was what pushed my father over was COVID. Oh, it was it's terrible. My, my father was, a, is a statistic, is a suicide statistic from COVID. He took his own life, uh, April 2nd, I think of 20 of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, two weeks into the, into the mayhem of it all yeah 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 so anyway uh thank you for doing what you're doing yeah and it's so cool that you're that you're reaching out and it's and it's affecting and i guess it's touching a lot of people and that's what's so powerful about the ride that you did yeah and you know i was going to ask you about the kurt and i have referenced our own personal pain caves yeah on, on this show and talked about when we're doing a, a monumental effort not quite as big as what you did that we, we have a pain cave and we decorate it and we put certain things up and live in it but it almost sounds like with you and the effort that you just did like you're almost not even in a pain cave because there's so many people that are riding along with you yeah is, is that kind of what your experience was yeah i mean um it was very unique to share those th- grim moments with with others, um, and it still was painful and hurt, but and and hurt, but uh, a hell of a lot easier when when you got like someone right next to you, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that yeah. under that isn't like just there, um, that understands what you're. They like I know you're not doing well right now. You know, just the fact that you know that somebody knows how you're feeling, like, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. You know, um, and like, you know, what happened in the bike ride, like, it translates to, to all of our lives, you know? Hmm. What was uh, more of a physical challenge for you, the, the Stanford Rock effort or this effort? Stanford Rock. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Because with old 40, I was able to pace and hold a particular uh, power output, which uh-huh. like determined my heart rate. And I could really manipulate that um, because the, the gradient of the hill isn't all undulating like single track mountain bike trails are. Mm-hmm. And then mountain bike trails like Stanford Rock, especially at the start of it, you'll have to put out like four, 450 watts just to stay moving. Mm-hmm. And then it will flatten out. And then it will go back up. So like super surgy and inconsistent. Yeah. Which is extremely fatiguing. Uh, and then yeah. also you're far more engaged with uh, your upper body, your back, your core, just maneuvering over rocks and features. And descending on a mountain bike, you're not just getting a full, sitting down and getting a full recovery. Yeah. You gotta be like on it and moving if you wanna get down in an efficient manner. Whereas like old 40, um, I was able to, uh, yeah, sit down and chill. I think mentally though, this was more difficult. Old 40? Yeah. Mentally, like in an emotional way or mentally in a just like trying to complete the mission way? Because there's a lot of weight that you, emotional and mental weight you brought to this preceding the ride. This wasn't just a ride. This wasn't like, you know, your Stanford Rock effort was a fun thing. It was like a fundraiser for trails and Tama. This, this other ride was for a friend in memory of your friend. So was it, is it that, is it that why it was more? Yeah. More taxing or more challenging? Yeah. Or a little, was it something else? A little bit of that. Um, and also uh, super vulnerable. A vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, day. Like, because I didn't just go out here by myself and put my head down and do it. Like, I was like, hey, guys, like, I'm going to go do this thing on this day. It was documented and bunch of people yeah, come that, watch yeah come watch <laughs> come watch yeah. me suffer some people that i know really well then a lot of people like i don't know that well and i'm like dang like i've never done anything this big and these people are probably gonna see me like at my lowest of low like yeah and mm-hmm. in our society like that's a i mean that's a scary thing like yeah. we all have like an ego or like a shield up and we have this, this identity or something like or we, you get hangry yeah yeah. I get I get I get very irritable when I get hangry and then I don't you know people are like this guy's an asshole it's not a good he's not even cool <laughs> don't, don't cross Kurt when he's angry <laughs> totally I, yeah don't uh, catch me hangry so yeah it was hard in that sense because um, like yeah put some like pressure on myself but just the you guys ever done anything where you like you you start something that you don't really know how it's gonna play out mm-hmm. and then you keep at it and then you're like oh, okay like. I understand it now and I can see how it's going to wrap up and finish. You see a success in the end. Absolutely. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. This took so long for me to finally feel like, oh, there's the end. Right. I can can do this, you know? Right. Because when you said earlier that, you know, you were starting to have stomach issues after 20,000 feet of climbing, you weren't even a third finished yet. No. That's the real mind benders. Like... You did sixty, what's five thousand feet of climbing? Yeah, you did. So in your at at twenty thousand feet, you were you weren't even a third done yet. 
still under sea level, man. That is insane. <laughs> you hadn't even emerged. Yeah, yeah, you're still the under ocean. the ocean. That's right. He yeah. was still a primordial sludge. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had to really focus on uh, not doing math and not thinking about time. Right. Right. Like, that was yeah. like a, that first half. You just had to just pedal, right? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I started yeah. being like, okay, like that means I have this many more laps, and if I right. then I'm like, and I start thinking about maybe I can up the pace a little bit or whatever yeah um, but i actually wrote on my top tube time does not exist yeah in I this saw that, dojo i saw that photo yeah i just i needed to be because it really time nor pain it doesn't though like the sense of of what has happened and what is yet to come is irrelevant the only thing that is real and happening is like right now it's yeah of our face yeah and, time uh, exists in your mind right like yeah we we are so short-term focused and fixated because our lives are so short i mean on the grand scale of the universe right we're here for a millisecond really if that a nanosecond but to us you know two hours seems like an eternity when you're waiting for something or trying to do something so yeah you have to just turn off that internal clock and yeah. and just be in the moment at every moment during that period and not think about what's ahead of you totally yeah it's like eating a, that old saying how do you eat a buffalo uh, how do you eat a buffalo one bite at a time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it checks out how do you climb sixty-five thousand feet yeah, dude. one, one foot, foot, one at, foot a time. at a time well <laughs> said kurt so i i have to so this little conversation we've had just now it, I, i'm curious it, if you had done this ride by yourself do you think you would have gotten the same value out of it or 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 not or how do you think it would have been different i think i for sure would have found some value out of it but uh not like what happened mm -hmm. the way everything played out the way everything played out like made it so clear that like pedal for positivity has a path and like the vision i have for it like it, <sighs> I don't know. It's like right there. Like I, it made it feel like doable. Like seeing people, like emotionally, like invested and, um, like really like feeling like what it was all about. Like it was like dang. Like this is, like this is like a real like a real thing. And uh, yeah, it just like kind of solidified like where. I want to take it and what like my dream for pedal for positivity is hmm, cool made it seem a lot a lot more tangible um after seeing the way things played out this weekend if i would have done it solo um i think that uh i think it would have it would have been way way harder you know to like to push through um and uh do you think you still could have done it yeah yeah i i make these like deals with myself before i do something like before i did the everest ride it's like i i don't i'm gonna finish it or i'm the only way i will not finish it is if i black out and i wake up in a hospital and yeah. that's what i said to myself like before i started this ride like i quitting it was just not uh at you don't times give it yourself was, that option not even no. a consideration no yeah yeah no. yeah it just 
if I wanted to like yeah between the pressure of having people out there the meaning like behind it being right above Fazio like I didn't I didn't want a bailout option you know I wanted I mean of course I could have been like oh I quit like this this is hard you know what I mean yeah like to make like an impact on the message I'm trying to tell and like legitimize it and then also like for myself too like um just removing that the chance of of quitting maybe failure maybe like pass out or i wreck or i get hurt yeah whatever but yeah not gonna make the choice like myself to quit this is all about understanding you know there's bullshit ahead of you painful 50 more thousand feet of climbing it's cold or whatever like yeah and just walking making the choice to walk through it and face it and look like look the pain and the hard times like right in the eyes accept it and like yeah just take it take it head on you know that is like one of the most liberating things mm-hmm. somebody can do for themselves mm-hmm. is to look at an insecurity or a fear that they have and to accept it and like yeah face it not necessarily deal with it like but face it and like accept it yeah you know mm-hmm. because some of that stuff it will stick with you like uh trauma from your childhood you know it'll yeah. always be there but those things will morph and change yeah but I, I believe that the first step to removing the negative impact that stuff has on you is to face it yeah and accept it yeah um powerful yeah, stuff this is a heavy yeah this, this is, is a heavy for being so heavy episode no it's good man it's it's necessary right your I mean, story's this, super this is life and like it's yeah. yeah and you know i think we unfortunately have to bring this episode to a close um but there are a couple things that you know we'd like to close with um on this show mind the track we ask our guests at, at the end of every episode, what does mind the track mean to you? Like when you hear the phrase mind the track, what comes to mind? And, and you know, given all of the things that you've put yourself through over these past few years, um, what do you think of when that term comes up? Man, when I hear mind the track, I think of a path in which you may or may not have chosen, but you're on it to be present and mindful and to just enjoy the track. Whatever, if it goes left, if it goes right, there's a gap jump or a couloir or some whatever, you're on the track. Like stick to it, and it's gonna take you wherever you need to end up. Mind the track. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's it. a good one. Nice one. That was with very a, with with a thunder with a applause. rumble of thunder in the background. With a was thunder that thunder? Applause? Yeah, that was some thunder. Yeah, you got a thunder <laughs> problem. applause on that one. <laughs> yeah, that was rad. Tom, is there anything else you wanted to close with? No, just for, I guess, just for people to, if they like the story and they like what you're doing, to to f- potentially donate 
and follow along. Where where can people find you on Instagram? What's your Insta handle? Uh, Instagram handle is Harrison Beal underscore. Okay. Yeah. And is there also B-I-E-H-L. A, B-I-E-H-L. And is there also an Insta for Pedal for Positivity? I think I saw that yes, go, sir. Come, come through. Why don't you give that a shout out? It's Pedal underscore for underscore positivity. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. And go to either or. You can yeah find us both on either mine or Pedal for Positivity and try to stay current on both. Um, but yeah, more to more to come for for next season yeah, I like it yeah uh and what would you recommend folks out there listening who either may be struggling with their own mental health or have a friend that may be in a situation what do you recommend they do go to someone you love and tell them you're bombed yeah that's the first thing you should do okay and you know i hope the person you go to uh can take that information and help you walk through whatever you need to walk through or get you the help that'll allow you to do so. Yeah. But I think the first thing you should do is go to a loved one and tell them you're bummed. Okay. And I'd like to Good add advice. to that, that if you are on the other side of that and you are the person who hears that from someone, take it seriously. Yeah. Yes. And listen. Yes. And, and, it, that's one of the things with mental health right now that a lot of people are reaching out in their own ways and you know, this the way things are set up right now we tend to just sort of not listen and then shoo it away and move on with other things yeah and if you are that person where someone reaches out to you take the time and effort to to listen and to help yeah and even maybe you need to f find other help for this person mm -hmm. he's we we all have to rely on on bigger things sometimes yep yeah yeah well, Harrison, we really appreciate yeah, you being um, so uh, sincere and honest and, and stripped down and like sharing your emotion with us. And your honesty. And your honesty. And your, vulnerable, your vulnerability yeah. is real. It's real. And we, and we know it's not easy. Me. What's that? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This has been a cool one to talk about this, overlooking you know, this spot that means a lot to you and means a yeah. lot to the cause. And yeah, there's a lot of spiritual a... power on Donner summit. And so to have pulled off this event here, um, it's, it's, it's appropriate. I think, you know, there's a lot of human, uh, struggle that happened yeah. on this, on this mountain over the last couple hundred years. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, to, to have us here and to share this experience, um, or have you share this, your experience with us has been really powerful and we thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Right back to you. Right on. Well, thanks everyone for listening to episode number 20 of mind the track with our guest Harrison Beale until next time, get out there, get deep and put your mind in the track. <laughs>